just into the book of Colossians itself and, and all the wisdom that he has. And I give you John Oates. Thank you, Dink. Appreciate that. All right. Oh, I forgot my clicker. I need that thing. Great. How's everybody doing? Enjoying the San Diego day? It's, uh, San Diego day is between 68 and 78 and sunny. We have about, what, 200 of those? But in L.A., you got the same thing, you know, more or less, right? I used to live in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, it, it, Wisconsin yeah, yeah. So when I'm, I, I, I do a thing on science and Christianity, and I, I tell them that, yeah, in Wisconsin, the people are really amazing. They can actually walk on water. You know, and... Yeah, right. Yeah. The people from Wisconsin get that joke right away. You know, they. Yeah. So anyway, I was given the topic uh, Christ, the catalyst for change. Now, I was very impressed. I don't know how many of you heard last night, but but uh, John, uh, he gave, he. I was planning on kind of you know defining what a catalyst is. After all, I am a chemistry professor, and I thought that would be you know pretty smart and kind of educated thing. and then John did he actually did a pretty good job he defined a catalyst quite well he must have some science background so a catalyst I'm going to still do it since it's on the the, the uh, slide there a catalyst is a substance that causes a change but is itself not change and I'm thinking what is a thing which causes great change but is itself unchanged and I think that's Jesus Christ all right so he kind of did the whole relationship metaphor and you know the whole and that was i thought that was pretty smart the whole you, you know you got a the, the 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 contact between the reagent and the catalyst and it's that interaction that, that, that for the relationships but i'm going for the whole uh jesus thing so what can cause change in our life without being changed it's christ and what is the catalyst for change well, let's go to Colossians 1.27, which is the theme verse for our class. All of us want to have transformation. All of us want to have change in our life. But the question is, where does the power for transformation and change come from? Colossians 1.27, it says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glory of his riches, of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, the theme of Colossians is the all-sufficiency of Christ to save, for he's the fullness of God. Christ is all-sufficient. You know, the, the title of my class is basically Christ the Catalyst for Change. And if I want to talk about Christ, all I have to do basically is read, starting in Colossians 1, verse 1, and go to the end of chapter 4. I mean, it's all focusing in on Christ. So uh, we just finished doing a class on Colossians. We did Philippians and Colossians. As, uh, we do in-depth classes on Saturday morning. If you want a, the 10-hour version, go to my website. But the outline for Colossians is the work of Christ, the person Christ, and then Paul's ministry in Christ. The cure for the problem is Christ, the way with Christ, and then brotherhood through Christ. Do you see a common theme there? Is there there something that kind of comes out there? And in case you're wondering whether Christ is the focus of the book of Colossians, look here. I'll I'll skip the first section. There's a few uh, passages about Jesus. Uh, Verse 24, Christ is the head of the body. 127, the glorious mystery is Christ in you. 128, Christ is the one who's proclaimed. 129, Christ's power works in Paul and in us. 2, 2, 3, 3, God's mystery is that all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. Your faith in Christ needs to be firm. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in Him. Be rooted and built up in Christ. In Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In Christ, we've been brought to fullness. Christ is the head over every power and authority. In Christ, we are circumcised. Do you get the general idea? And we just keep going and going and going. All right? Do you think that maybe Christ is what it's all about? That is the source of our change, the power that we have. All right, I've got the notes. I've got three pages. I've got eight pages of notes, but three pages are all the mentions of Christ in Colossians. So, who is it that is in us? It is Christ. 
We have all we need for change. You're saying, well, I haven't been changing. All right, well, okay. But the thing you need is there. Let's read Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I love this passage. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the firstborn... Uh, He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Who is Christ? Well, first of all, he's the image of the invisible God. You know, if anybody were to see Christ, they'd be toast, right? I mean, if they were to see God, toast. But you know what? To the extent that you can see God, it's in Jesus, right? It says, the word of God became flesh and tabernacled among us. We beheld his glory. So Christ is the image, the perfect image. It's like the Greek word is the impression. You know, we have like the stamp and it creates the impression, He's the preeminent one over all creation. And guess what? He lives in you. You know, there's this scene in in John where he says, you know what? It's awesome that I'm going away. The the apostles are like, dude, would they say dude to Jesus? I don't know. (laughs) They were pretty close. Probably. Said, what do you mean it's good that you're going away? Because he says, if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Which would be better, to have Jesus kind of, you know, cruising around the fellowship or having him live inside of you? This, this Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the preeminent one over all creation, through whom all things were created, the one who is before all things, the one who holds everything together, he is in us, Christ in you. All things hold together. He's the head of the church. He's the firstborn from the dead. And that's an interesting phrase, that, that first fruit from the dead. Because the first fruits, that's, that's like the feast of first fruits, was a harvest festival when there wasn't yet a harvest. That's what's interesting about that. And by the way, Jesus was raised from the dead on the day of first fruits. Not a coincidence. The 16th of Nisan. Is it Nisan or Nisan? Nisan's the car, Nisan's the Jewish holiday. Uh, Dirk, can you help me out there? Which is it, Nisan? Nisan, okay, great. So the, the 16th and Nisan, that's, that's when Jesus was raised from the dead. Because he is the first one. He's the harvest before the harvest. That's who we have living in us. All God's fullness dwells in him. And he dwells in us. So what is the catalyst for transformation? I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. All right, what is the catalyst for transformation? It's not some bizarre 3D uh, uh, graphical thing. Christ in you. Uh, What's the definition of glory for you? What can you imagine God making you into? What can you imagine? I've been a Christian for almost 40 years. And, you know, I think about what I was before I was a Christian. I was a pothead, you know, I was a dope in more than one way. You know what I'm saying? Could I have imagined, uh, you know, going all over the world and and speaking for Christ? I couldn't have imagined it. God can transform lives. Jesus can do it. Christ in you. All right, so I've got a a little question here. Now, if uh, some of you were at a grace conference a year ago, so you're not allowed to to answer this question, okay? Uh, So what is the expression in the Bible used most often that describes a saved person? What, what word or words is used to describe a saved person in the Bible the most? Disciple? Okay. That's up there. Not even close, by the way, but it's up there. You all know the whole Christian only three times. So what do you think? Chosen? Okay. That, yeah. Redeemed? Okay. 
Saved, maybe? The answer is in Christ. It's in Christ. See, it's interesting because the Bible talks about Christ being in us and also talks about us being in Christ. And I just want us to take some time to think about all the things we have. The, the great mystery. Let, let's read in Colossians um, uh, 1. I already read verse 27. Let, let's read the context a little bit. Uh, Colossians 1, starting in 26. In fact, I'll go back to 25. I have become its servant. Some of the gospel by the commission God gave me to present the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for all ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his of this mystery. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Christians define hope a little bit different than in the, in, the, in the dictionary. You know, the dictionary says, I hope I win the lottery, right? Or, I hope I don't get caught. You know, I hope I don't get caught. But the, the Christian word hope is like expectation. It's patient expectation. What is the mystery? The mystery that the prophets longed to look into. That, that Abraham in Hebrews 11, that, that the, 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 uh, the hall of faith could only imagine, it's Christ in us. We have so many things because Christ is in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right, so there's the answer to the question. The most common expression used is in Christ. It's uh, about a hundred. Do I have it? Oh, this is in my notes. I can't find it in my notes. A hundred sixty-four times. We're, it, our, our station of being saved is defined, being defined as in Christ. So what I want to do is, I just want to look at some of the scriptures that talk about what we have in Christ. We're, we're going to be reading more scriptures in this class, possibly than any other class you've ever taken. I don't know. We'll see. All right, so let's go uh, Philippians uh, 1, verse 1. Actually, uh, that's kind of the outline of Philippians, to live as Christ, living like Christ, put your confidence in Christ, and practical living in Christ. Do you see another pattern there? I think so. Philippians 1, 1. So we're, what we're going to do is, th- this is going to be one of those like total encouraging kind of classes, you know? I, I need one of those once in a while. You know, we, we need the judgment classes, we need the... We need the call to repent class, but today it's all, you know, pretty good stuff. Philippians 1.1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's people in Christ. Jesus at Philippi together with overseers and deacons. Holy people, saints. In Christ, you are a holy person. You've been, that, the word holy means set apart. No wonder you can change. No wonder you can be transformed. Because Christ has already set you apart. Philippians 4, 7. Philippians 4, a lot of these are going to be in Philippians and Colossians. All the things we have in Christ. Philippians 4, 7. It says here, uh, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So during this lesson, occasionally I'm going to stop, and, and you're, you're just supposed to fill in the blank, all right? Where do we find peace? In Christ. Outside of Christ, war, battle. Now we have stress, but we have peace. We have peace in Christ. And that peace can guard your heart and your mind. Philippians 2.1. I have to go through these pretty quickly because there's a lot of things that we have in Christ. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, think common sharing in the Spirit, any tenderness and joy, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. So I, I see encouragement. We have encouragement in Christ. And my question is, do you have any encouragement in Christ? We have much encouragement in Christ. Right, because of all the other things we have actually in Christ. Uh, Galatians 
We're actually going to visit Galatians 3.26 twice because it actually tells us two things in Christ. Galatians 3.26 says, So in Christ you're all children of God through faith. See, before we were in Christ, we were alienated. If you read Hosea, it says, Not my people, right? Not loved. But in Christ... We have a family. We're, we're children. You know, which, which is better, to be a natural-born child or to be adopted as a child? I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. But there's something about being adopted. You know, because if you have a natural-born child, what comes out is what you get, you know, I guess. You know? But God... You know, let's, let's go back to that slide. God, who uh, is the image, Jesus, the image of visible God, the becoming over all creation, who created everything, who is before all things, who holds all things together, the head of the church, the firstborn from the dead, the fullness of deity, he chose us. We are his adopted children. I mean, that is, I'd say, quite amazing. Colossians 1.14. Colossians 1.14. Is it Go Eat Popcorn for you or is it General Electric Power Company? Which is it? <laughs> Go Eat Popcorn? All right. All right. Colossians 1.14. It says here, I'll go back to uh, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, Amen. the forgiveness of sins. In Christ, you have redemption. You were redeemed. To redeem means to be bought back. All right. In fact, that's what Hosea did with Gomer, if you know the story, right? Because Gomer left him and went into prostitution. And he went to the pimp and he says, I'm going to buy her back. And he paid, apparently... The price of a night with her or whatever. He bought her back. We have been redeemed. You've been bought back from slavery. You were in in slavery and you've been redeemed. Bought back. Uh, I looked it up in the dictionary. The, The word redeemed means to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. What was the payment that bought you back? The death of Jesus. That's how much he loved you. Colossians 2.10. This one blows my mind, folks. This one blows my mind. Philippians, I'm sorry, Col- uh, let me say, uh, Colossians 2.10. I'm going to go back to verse 9 because it kind of sets the context here. It says, for in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Now that's pretty awesome. That's kind of that John 1.18 thing, right? The word of God became flesh. We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only son. All the fullness of deity dwells in him. Now verse 10. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. Now, I don't even know what that means. What does that even mean? The fullness of deity dwells in Christ. And in Christ, you have fullness. Now, there's one thing about all these things. All these things are things that we have, and yet we're acquiring them at the same time. Because when we're in Christ, He makes us righteous, and yet we become righteous. In Christ, He gives us peace, and yet we acquire that peace over time. It's kind of interesting how that works. Colossians 2, 11 and 12. Let's read on. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled uh, by the flesh was put off uh, when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, uh, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the work of God who raised him from the dead. In Christ we put off the flesh. And a circumcision, it's like it's like a, a, a cutting off. It's a removal. That flesh 
you know, uh, in Romans 7, you know, the things I want to do, I cannot do. The things I don't want to do, I keep on doing. It was removed. Now we're still sinners. But we're not enslaved to sin in that way. A circumcision performed not by human hands. A circumcision performed by Christ. Let's go to Ephesians 1.3. Ephesians 1.3. These are the things we have in Christ. If you're in Christ, you have all these things. Ephesians 1.3. Praise be to, to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings. Where? In Christ. How many blessings do we have in Christ? Every spiritual blessing. You could possibly have are found in Christ. No wonder you can be transformed and changed. No wonder he is a catalyst. No wonder, kind of like the, the, um, the reagent attaches to the catalyst, as we're attached to Christ, we have these things. Every spiritual blessing. Philippians 4.19 says, all your needs are met. There is not a single spiritual blessing found outside of Christ. Not one. Every spiritual blessing is found in Christ. Ephesians 1.4. It says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. In Christ, we've been chosen. 1 Corinthians 15.22. I hope you're encouraged here. Should be. For as in Adam all die, not so good, right? By the way, that was you. That was you before you were in Christ. You were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. And this is one of those already but not yet things. Because if you're in Christ, he's already made you alive. You've already been raised from the dead. But, you know, the, the full version of it is going to be later on. You know, we've been raised in the dead, kind of like the anticipation, like Christ being the first fruits in the dead. But in Christ, we are going to be made alive. We are going to be raised from the dead. Why? Because we're in Christ. Only in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is a great one. I know I keep saying this, but these are all pretty great things. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh-oh, my list. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Okay, we got we got a fair amount of time still. We're going to keep going here. Second Corinthians five twenty one. It says here, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, He made us righteous, and yet through Him we're becoming righteous. See, God sees us. As the finished product. He sees us as righteous. And yet he's making us righteous. You know. He sees us as holy. And yet we're being made holy while we're in Christ. Romans 6.23. This is a fairly good one. I'd put this in my top ten list of things we have in Christ. Romans 6.23. You know, some of these scriptures kind of have the bad news and the good news in the same verse, right? For the way, I already quoted this one. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, you have eternal life. You know what? That means you could take a risk. What's the worst thing they could do to you? You know, this summer I was in, in Port Harcourt in Nigeria. Uh, Europeans don't go there very often. I show up at the airport. I have an armed guard with machine guns the whole time I'm there. All right, because, you know, they kidnap people. And I was thinking, I was thinking, you know what? It'd be kind of awesome to get kidnapped for Christ. <laughs> and I'm, I'm serious. No, I'm serious. It'd be awesome. 
Because what's the worst they could do to me? Now, my kids are adults, all right? I mean, I'm 63 years old, so probably you're not quite where you could say that. But when I'm, I'm not joking. I'm thinking, that would be kind of awesome. Because the saints would be encouraged, right? Here's this guy going out there getting kidnapped for Christ. Uh, that's kind of cool. Because it says right here that I have the righteousness of God. And it says here that I have, I possess it right now. Eternal life. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I guess we're working backward. Romans 8, 38 and 39. We're forward, kind of, but in terms of the books. Romans 8, 38. This is a verse we read a lot. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now I'll say this. Outside of Christ, we had no spiritual blessings. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. But you know what? Outside of Christ, we were already loved. I'm not saying we had no love. We had love. God loved us then. But, he, but we have a special kind of love, a secure love. The feeling of like, you know, I can mess up a lot. I know that when I get home, it's going to be like the, the parable of, you know, of the prodigal son. Secure love. Neither angels nor demons, height, depth, future, past, nothing. That's a catalyst for change. That's security. Change is scary. Change makes us feel insecure. But realize what you have and what you are in Christ. Where is the love of God found? In Christ. 2 Timothy 1.9. Oh, wow, we're going way outside. All right, all the way over in 2 Timothy. If you don't know where that is, find 1 Timothy and keep going. 2 Timothy 1.9. It says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we had done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ. In Christ you have grace. Now that's not one of the things that's still up there in the future. We just have it right now, fully, complete grace. Because of his grace, he called us. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I need to put this in the right order so you don't, you know. Um, Rudy and I, he's in my Bible talk. And it's kind of bad. Because even I'm leading the Bible talk and we're racing you know, the, the whole, you know, which wins. I, it's, it's almost 50-50 who wins. You'd think we'd give up on this dumb joke, but we do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, Rudy's a great guy in your Bible talk because you never know what he's going to say. You just never know what he's going to say. It's, it's awesome. He's a great guy. And in case you didn't know, he's still single, sisters. So, Oh, that's right. They're all single. Wait a minute. I see a red dot. Oh, that means he's called. But does that mean he's called for? That doesn't mean the red dot doesn't mean married. It means called for. Is that what it means? All right. Because they put their, the red dot on me when I showed up. All the sisters were coming up to me, asking me on a date before they put the red dot on me. Oh. All right. Okay. Where was I? Oh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. All right. It says here, therefore, if anyone's in Christ. How many here are in Christ? Amen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, verse 17, it says, the, the, the new crea- the, in Christ, the new creation it has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If you're in Christ, you are a new creation. That's one of those things that's the already but not yet thing. You know, you, you and I know we're still sinners, all right? But Christ looks at us and sees a new creation. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they're all yes 
in Christ. Every single promise, all of his promises, not a single exception, they're all yes in Christ. To that we say, amen. Amen. How about Romans 8.1? Romans 8.1. Oh, man, this one's... Oh, man. This is like a spring of water. Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, no condemnation. You stood condemned. That's tough. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.27. Back to Colossians. I'm almost two-thirds of the way through the list. All right? Colossians 1.27. Really, we're getting back to something we already read earlier. This whole mystery thing. Colossians 1.27. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious of his riches, the riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then chapter 2, verse 3. says, In whom are hidden... I'll go back to verse 2. My goal is that you may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasuries of wisdom and knowledge. See, all the, all the mystery, all the wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. Colossians 2.13 all the treasures of wisdom and mystery found in Christ. Colossians 2.17. It says here, he's talking about the Old Testament. First, I'll go back to 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat, or with, we're going to get back to this later on, by what you eat with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. Their reality, however, is found in Christ. I mean... The, 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 the rules, the laws, the regulations, all of this was just a picture. The whole Testament was just, uh, just uh, in Hebrews, it, it uses the analogy of, uh, we have some people who are more than uh, 40 years old. Don't raise your hand. Remember when you were a kid, you had that diorama thing? Remember you made a diorama? The little shoebox thing? There's some people old enough around. Remember that? And you put the little plastic thing, the little plastic tree and all that sort of stuff. It says the Old Covenant is like a diorama. If, if you go to Jerusalem, there's this really famous scale model of Jerusalem. It's awesome. Everybody goes there. But imagine flying all the way to Israel and then just going to see the little scale model. That would be really silly, wouldn't it? All right. But in Christ, we have the real thing. That was that Coke thing back in the 60s. It's the real thing. The real thing isn't found in Christ. You know, outside of these things, we have, outside of Christ, we have none of these things. In Christ, we have all these things. You know, um, when we become Christians, we're saved, but then when Christ comes back, we're, we're fully saved. When, when, when we come into Christ, we're resurrected, but in the future, we'll be fully resurrected. In Christ, we're made holy, but when Christ comes back, we're going to be made completely holy. In, in Christ, we're given fullness, but when we're in heaven, we're going to see the fullness of Christ. Paul describes us as what we are going to become. I believe it's because God sees us as that already. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. Just a couple more things we have in Christ. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. All right. Now, if you go back to verse uh, uh, 5 and 6, Paul's giving his spiritual resume. He says, I have the Hebrew of Hebrews, the tribe of Benjamin, as the legalistic righteousness, faultless, a Pharisee, trained by Gamaliel, the highest level, the most possible highest level of religious attainment. That's what I had. Let's read verse 7. 
But whatever was gained to me, I now consider as loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom's sake I have lost all things. I consider them all garbage. Then I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but is, which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain from the resurrection of, from the dead. Paul said, the greatest thing in the world is to be in Christ, is to know Christ. You know, through, it, through being religious, what do you gain? Not a whole lot. In fact, Paul said, all my religious attainments, all my degrees and all my awesomeness of being so religious and behaving correctly and, and being in the top 2%, I guess, of everybody, he says, that's garbage. Garbage, refuse. It's worth nothing comparing to knowing Christ. And if you're in Christ, you know Christ. So how do you get into Christ anyway? Let's go back to Galatians 3. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. It says here, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. All of you who are baptized into Christ. Have closed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you're all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. See, when we're baptized, we're baptized into Christ. Before you were baptized, you were outside of Christ. You were lost. You had nothing. You did not have the love. You did not have that security. You did not have that sonship. You did not have that righteousness. You did not have that love. You did not have those things. You did not have redemption. But when you were baptized into Christ, you were clothed with Christ. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like to use the, the analogy because a lot of people think they're in Christ and they're not, you know. Do, do you pray your way into Christ? Is there a scripture that says you pray into Christ? Is there a scripture that says you faith into Christ? Is there a scripture that says you repent into Christ? No, in fact, you know what? Before you were baptized, you were outside of that building. You were out of Christ. You know, I, I think of it as kind of like having coming to know Christ is kind of pulling into the driveway, you know, but you're still not in the house. And then... You know, making a commitment to him, it's like, you know, maybe you're on the, the I don't know, the, the path going up. And, and then you, you made Jesus Lord. You repented of your sins. And now you're standing on the doorstep. But you know what? You're still outside of Christ. But when you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ. And the only two verses that even mention getting into Christ, or Romans 6, 4, which says we were baptized into Christ, and Galatians 3, 26 and 27, which says we were baptized into Christ. Last thing I want to talk about, not for the lesson, but the last thing we have in Christ is freedom. Let's go, go to Galatians 5. I love this freedom. I don't have time to talk about verse 21 through 30 and 31, where he says, before you were slaves, before you were like Ishmael, you were children of Hagar, but now you become children of Sarah. You're Isaac. And verse 31 of chapter 4 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but children of the free woman. Uh, let's read Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. It's funny, he says... The reason Christ set you free was so that you could be free. Well, duh. Was there some other reason he would have set us free? Uh, Rudy, I need you for an object lesson here. So could you stand up for me for a minute? Okay. I think it's like this. 
Paul's saying, in Christ we're free. We're, we're really free. Now, thank you, Rudy, for letting me demonstrate that. All right. Free from what? No, not in that context. No. Free from slavery. Free from have to. Are you living have to Christianity? If you're living have to Christianity, you're not going to be transformed. Because really, isn't that what the whole book of Galatians is about? You know, you're either living by the law or you're living by the Spirit. Freedom from slavery. Freedom from have to. Freedom to from, you know, if I mess up, I'm going to hell. Well, guess what? You already messed up. You're already going to hell. You know? Freedom. Freedom is I have to. I'm sorry. Slavery is I have to. Freedom is I want to. You know, why do you get in a Bible with somebody? somebody? Hopefully, because you want to. Why do you make sacrifices? Why do I go to a crazy place like Congo? I'm standing there in this backyard giving a lesson being bitten by like hundreds of mosquitoes, you know. So here I'm in darkest Africa getting bitten by hundreds of mosquitoes. I'm going, what am I doing here? <laughs> All right, well, because I want to be here. It, isn't it better to do things because you want to? Isn't that what God wants for us? He wants you to serve him because you want to. Uh, Turnwell, I love Turnwell. I mean, Turnwell, he's, he's a pretty fired up guy. And you get the sense that he just loves doing it. You know what I'm saying? That's the freedom we have. Freedom from what? Well, freedom from slavery. Freedom from the treadmill. That I gotta have a quiet time, or I gotta, you know, confess this sin. No, you, you do you get to do those things. Galatians 5, 6. I love this. For in Christ, there you go. For in Christ. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. That's the freedom in Christ. The freedom to do things because we love God. Isn't that a, isn't that a lot better reason to do something? Uh, if, you know, uh, some of you are, we have maybe some single parents. Uh, if your kid, you ask them to do something and they kind of, You know, like that. Does that make you happy? No. You say, just don't even do it. You know? The Lord loves a cheerful giver, right? right? But see, that's what we have in Christ. So what are you doing because you love God? What are you doing? What are you doing in your life right now? How are you expressing your love? And why do you pray? Now, let's go back to Colossians. We're almost done. Let's go back to Colossians. Colossians 2. All right. Freedom in Christ. Colossians 2, starting in verse 13. All right. Let me go back to verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Uh, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Uh, uh-oh, no wonder. I'm in Philippians. You all are in Colossians. I'm in Philippians. <laughs> I went to go eat pop, and I stopped there. Go eat pop. It's a good verse, but really not related to what I'm trying to say here. All right, great. Here we go. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness 
which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In Christ, we can live debt-free. In Christ, you are debt-free. Now, I don't want a show of hands of how many of you are money-wise debt-free, all right? <laughs> but one thing I know is if you're debt-free in that way, that's, a, that's kind of a good feeling, you know. Uh, some of us, we can't remember that. It's back when we were 12 years old, all right? You know, I used to interpret this verse to say that he canceled the, the, the law, the old covenant. That's not, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he's paid the debt. Okay, no obligation. The debt has been canceled. It makes me think of Matthew 18, where the guy owes whatever, 10,000 talents, which would be like $100 million, and the guy's saying, I'm going to pay it all back. Yeah, right. You know, I'm going to pay it. Yeah, right. When are you going to pay it all back? What kind of job are you going to get? Okay, and he just pays it off. Your debt was nailed to the cross. If you're in Christ, your debt is paid. And you're free. See, you're free to change. Now, do, do we still have moments of insecurity? Yeah, we do. But we need to remember what we have in Christ. What have we been freed from? Rules based Christianity obligation-based Christianity. Really, that's the theme of the book of Colossians. Because they were living rules-based Christianity instead of love-based Christianity. And it is no joy to live rules-based Christianity. It, it is slavery. It's indebtedness. If Christ has set you free, folks, you are free indeed. And then you can change. Yeah, let's, let's, let's kind of continue reading. Uh, he says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, regard to a religious festival, a new moon, a celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were come. The reality, is, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility, <clears throat> the worship of angels, disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they've seen. They're puffed up with idle notions. By their spirit, unspiritual mind, they have lost connection with the head, whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God caused it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world. That, that word there is stoichia. That's a big fancy Greek word. Uh, in chemistry, we get the word stoichiometry from that. It's the basic principles of this world. The world says rules and laws and obligation. We're free. We're free from those things. We die with Christ. We've been freed from the basic principles of this world. The things that the world worries about, we don't have to worry about them anymore. We don't have to worry about what people think about us. We don't have to worry about our financial future. Folks, it's secure. We don't have to worry about whether God gives us a spouse or not. Because whether he does or he doesn't, it's going to be better than what we would have had outside of Christ. That's for sure. All right? We've died to those things. The law is stokia. It's the ABCs. It's childish living. Instead, we can live a transformed life. I'll, I'll just keep reading here. As though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. I hope you follow the dating advice because you love Christ, not because of a rule. I sure hope so. Because if you do, you practically don't even need the advice, but follow it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Because we're free in Christ. In Christ, those things just help. And they're not frustrating. It's not like, ah, okay. If you're feeling that, it's because you don't understand what freedom is about. All right? 
And then he goes on, he says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For Christ, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. All right, and then he goes on, and it, I, I, I want to ask you to, to read the rest of that, that chapter there. And he talks about holy living. He says, look, this is the way you should live. But please read that in the context of, but I'm in Christ. And, and God is making these, the, me these things. Think about the things we have in Christ. Oh my goodness, we have so many things in Christ. And we've been made holy, set apart in Christ. We have peace. We have encouragement. We've been adopted by the creator of the universe in Christ. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. We have fullness. We have the fullness of God in us. The flesh has been put off. We have every spiritual blessing. We've been chosen. We've been made alive. We've been made righteous. We have eternal life. We have the secure love of God. We have grace. We are a new creation. We have all God's promises fulfilled in Christ. That is the power for change. In Christ, there is no condemnation. The mystery has been revealed. The, the things that have been hidden have been made real. The reality is in Christ. And really, it's worth everything. If you, have, if you list everything the world has to offer and compare it to being in Christ, garbage. Garbage. Because we're free. If Christ has set you free, you're free indeed. You can change. It's painful. It's even a little scary. But I believe that Christ is the catalyst for change. That in Christ we can have all those things. Uh, thank you very much. And I finished one minute early. How about that? Have fun. We'll see you at 7 o'clock. Anything else, Dink? Okay, great. Yeah, freedom in Christ. But be holy now. Be holy. Thank you.